Stephen, welcome to Christina Talks. I'm so thrilled that you are joining me. Thank you very much, Christina. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm beside myself. Bless you, but I knew you'd be excited. (laughs) I was born excited. I I really (laughs) didn't think so. So the reason that I wanted to to get you onto the podcast, obviously we've known each other for a number of years and I've known you in lots of different guises. Uh-huh. And in my in my little bubble world, you're like one of the dons of the recruitment world. Oh, shut I, up. <laughs> I, re- I remember kind of coming in and, and trying to figure out like who's who, who do I need to get on side with, that like who who are the names, who are the people that everyone knows? And therefore, like if I if I'm if I'm in that little like if if I'm hanging out with the cool kids, who are the cool kids? And you were definitely one of those people. So Thank you. I thought it's about time we, we 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 did this and recorded an episode and just talked about all the all all the all the things we know each other for really and share it with the world. So yeah, yeah. There are people that listen to the podcast within the recruitment world, so yes, they will know who you are. Um, mm-hmm. But in now, I know you can talk for England. So <laughs> I would never talk for England. I would talk for Scotland. Talk for Scotland. Okay, for England. talk for Scotland. Yeah. Um, just within, yeah. Just give us the give us the short story. I can't believe you've miscountried me within the first couple of minutes. I know. I'm really sorry. (laughs) So uh, it wasn't intentional. (laughs) But do do you know I'd I'd written a actually I'd written a bio for something recently because you know when you do a bio when you whenever you're speaking somewhere or writing a blog or 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 whatever and or the about section on your LinkedIn and usually you'll write it and it'll be there for years. And when you go back and look at it, you go, oh, who wrote this? This is terrible. Uh, or or who is that guy? Uh, in some ways, sometimes I, I read blogs that I've written years ago, and I think, I wish I could be as clever as that fella. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it, 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 I did one recently, and, and I, I refreshed it, and it, it reminded me. It rein, reminded me of the things that I do that – and I think people often don't – or they're in the same position themselves. They don't really – have a have a double check on what they do and what they're good at or what they're what what they would consider themselves to be an expert at. Uh and uh and I'm not saying you should run around town shouting that you're an expert on something, but you should know yourself if you're if you have expertise in that certain area. Uh because people often play it down, especially in the UK. Uh but I've been in recruitment for just to go back to the bio, I've been in recruitment for well since nineteen eighty seven, so that's what thirty six years. Uh, I I I didn't go on honeymoon because I went on a training course for my first job as a recruiter when I was twenty one. Uh, so uh, it's easy keeping track because it's the the numbers the same. Uh, and up until two thousand and five, uh, I owned and ran recruitment agencies. Uh, and there was an overlap uh, in 2000, 99, 2000. I started a website called All Jobs UK. So without realizing it, I, go, I be, got into the tech side of things. And uh, so I built this website and it was a database of every agency in the country and every employer in the country and every, every job board, basically everywhere that was advertising vacancies. And this website was like a directory of them all. It was a signpost to them all. Uh, and I had a database of individual recruiters as well, which annoyed agencies no end because they didn't like the names of their staff being on the internet. Uh, li- little did they know that a few years later, LinkedIn would appear. But at that time, it was it was pretty new. So I'd sold that website in 2007 and I've 
done lots of things to do with technology startups and recruitment in the in-between time. Uh, I've had fingers in various pies. And outside of recruitment, I do a sprinkling of, of other things. I've managed bands. I do a podcast at the Edinburgh Festival with comedians uh, and uh, other bits and pieces. I mean, you are the tech guy. That, like that, that's the that's how I've known you. They're like you're the you are the tech guy. So whether it's I mean, you've been on the Green Umbrella Live lunch tons of times now, talking about yeah. sort of video and all your gadgets and gizmos and that kind of stuff. But it, it's a, I mean, what is it you'd want? What is it that you want to be known for? Therein lies the problem. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like the kudos. Uh, if I was known as a singer-songwriter, then that would be fabulous. But I can't do either of those things. So, uh, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, you're not—you're not a bad drummer, to be fair. I—I I, I can keep up, uh, but I—I uh, I wouldn't volunteer my services. But yeah, the—the the, what I want to be known for—I want to be known as 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 someone who knows what they're talking about within recruitment, and that would be to, mainly to do with the technology side of things, but also having been at the coal phase as a hands-on recruiter. Uh, when I did recruitment, I loved recruitment, and I got that buzz out of it that recruiters today will get when they make a placement, when they get a new client, when they do all those things. Uh, and uh, I kind of was drawn over to the dark side, the technology and away from interviewing people because I was just plain curious in the technology. I, I grew up building, you know, Airfix models and uh, and, and uh, Meccano and so on. Oh, I'm going to show you. This was one of the first things I built when I was, I think, six. And it's a Meccano kit of an armor truck. Uh, and uh, keep pens and pencils in it sometimes now. Uh, so that kind of thing, making things. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I came to make a website for the first time, and it would be 98, uh, 99, I found that the there was a program called Microsoft Front Page, and you could download someone else's website. You could put, just put in their web address. Uh, it would download the whole website, and then you could change the logos and upload it to your own website domain. Uh, and, and I did that. So the very first website I had was just a ripoff of someone else's in in California, uh, and uh, uh, but in doing so, you you find you find out how things work. You find out what what makes thing, these things go. And uh, and in the past twenty five years, I've maybe built a couple of hundred websites, uh, mostly for fun, sometimes for clients, uh, and, and quite a few times for uh, for businesses. Mm -hmm. So thinking about the technology stuff. Obviously, like right now, there's loads of conversation around AI and the impact that's going to have mm. within recruitment, but, you know, just generally, like, you know, across every industry. Um, yeah. When you think back over the last sort of 20 years, let's say, what have been the, the pivotal moments, the pivotal things when it comes to technology that's really kind of pushed things forward in, in your opinion? There are a couple of things. So well, I'll, I'll tell you a very quick story. I'll, I'll try not to make it too long. In On the 1st of July, uh, 2001, there was a website launched called flipdog.com. Flipdog was an American website. It was a recruitment aggregator. It was the first, first one that I'd seen. And what it did was it crawled all the employers' websites and indexed all the vacancies, and it pulled them into uh, this this website called Flipdog. Uh, it was only in beta. And when you went to the site, it had a big picture of uh, of the states with you know the 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 individual states on them so when you click on uh, uh 
New York or California or Florida, uh, it would then the number of vacancies would would cut down from about five hundred thousand to sixty thousand, and then you click on you know Miami, and it cut down from sixty thousand to to you know three thousand vacancies, uh, and you were visually going down and zooming into the vacancy. So as a candidate, you felt that you were making progress. Oh, I'm, I'm honing in on the vacancy that I want. And it would be the same if you clicked on, uh, you know, different disciplines or types of jobs and so on. And uh, it was a, oh, this is going to change everything moment. Uh, and, and at the time, I thought this visual way of doing it uh, is, is great. Everyone's going to be doing this within the next fortnight, surely, because, you know, it's a no-brainer, uh, and and they didn't. What did happen to that website was they they were bought over, I think, by Monster, and Monster pretty much shut it down. Uh, it it never appeared again. It was only ever in beta. It looked amazing. It felt amazing. It was ahead of its time, uh, and uh, and I thought this is going to change everything. And and I've always wanted things to uh, to move a lot faster than they did. There's always a, a huge amount of inertia in this business. It was a brand new business going back 23 years, 25 years, uh, and and everyone was agile. Everyone was doing things for the first time, and job seekers were just working out how to use the internet, you know, emails and logins and all of those things. Uh, and the website that I made, uh, alljobsuk.com, the interface on it or the, the navigation bar at the top was a direct copy of Amazon, uh, the tabs along the top for different parts of the, uh, you know, the Amazon store. Uh, so I literally copied it on Photoshop and then redrew different tabs and made uh, the thing to, to 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 work to be pixel perfect copy of Amazon. <laughs> uh, so everyone learns from each other and everyone, if you like, steals from each other. But, you know, going back to, to, to music, uh, there are only so many chords and so many notes. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, they say that, you know, copying someone is, uh, is, is the best compliment, as long as you're not out and out. Ripping, ripping them off, uh, but uh, the, as as job boards became established, as the newspapers faded away, as as anywhere to advertise vacancies, they then had their own legacy customers, and that meant that they they went slower. They didn't change as quickly as they used to, and they got into a bit of a rut. Uh, that you know, job boards are you know just a visual representation of what used to be on uh, on newspapers to advertise. And they didn't change nearly as quickly as I wanted them to. So, you know, and I'd be looking at things from a candidate point of view. Because uh, so I started the NORAs, the National Online Recruitment Awards, uh, 23 years ago as well. And that's all about what the candidate wants. So, what does a candidate want when they're looking for a job? They, they want to know all about the company. They want to know about the, the people who work there. They want to know uh, how did this job come up? Was it paying? What are my prospects? What's the training like? All of those things. Uh, so I, I was going to ask you, like, what, what was the drive? You know, I was going to explain what the Noras was, and you, you kind of have there. I was going to ask you, what was the driver for starting that up, and like, how did it start? Was it literally that? Uh, it, it was that, uh, and and also uh, that uh, you know, with a new website at the time, All Jobs UK, we had job boards, employers, recruitment agencies, publications, uh, all listed on there. Uh, and I thought as a new website, it would be nice to win an award. You hear about business awards, and if, if you win an award, that's great for marketing. Uh, but I, I, I reasoned that the next best thing to winning an award was actually giving out awards. I thought if I give an award to someone like Monster or Jobsite, they've got a marketing department. Uh, they'll shout to the roof about it, and we'll get attention. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, but, of course, it grew arms and legs. 
and at the very start, I didn't know the first thing about how awards were supposed to be organised. Uh, so I literally made it up. I thought, right, we'll, we'll get the public to vote, get them to nominate uh, uh, websites in the first place. And we do. Each year we get over 20,000 nominations for maybe five or 600 separate recruitment websites. Uh, and we'll only judge websites based on what we can see. In, in awards, typically, they, the awards organisers ask companies to make a submission and they fill in the form and they say, this is what we do and this is what we do well and so on. And the judging is based on whatever the company have submitted. The company can say anything they like, uh, but what's on their site, if you're judging the website, that's the thing you want to be judging. So I reasoned that we would only judge what we could see, and if we can't see it, we can't judge it. Uh, so uh, and, and we'll only do it from a candidate's point of view. Someone said at the time, shouldn't you give scores to specific criteria, like the number of clicks it takes to, for someone to apply for a job? And I thought, well, how would that work? Uh, what if there's a great website that takes a lot of clicks to make the application, but it's still great in all other regards, or a really terrible website where you can, you can, you know, one click apply? Uh, it wouldn't be fair for the for the one that uh, that was really good to be ruled out just because it wasn't uh, you know, meeting that criteria. So we deliberately in in with the judges for the notice who judge from a candidate's perspective, I deliberately say to them, this is unscientific. I want you to judge it as if you're a candidate with all the, the foibles that a candidate would have. Some candidates love great design. Some candidates want to be able to apply quickly. Some candidates want you know various other things. They want information on the employer and so on and so on, or career advice. But using your accumulated knowledge of recruitment and technology, uh, judge this website from a candidate's point of view. And the aggregate of the judges that we have usually turns out or always turns out to be uh, what everyone agrees on are good winners. And we never say that the, the finalists and the winners of the NORAs are absolutely definitively the best sites uh, in the country. What we do say is that they are examples of, mm -hmm. because there could always be a site that somehow wasn't nominated or somehow didn't, you know, register themselves and is as good uh, or possibly even better. Uh, if there was a better one, then I'd be annoyed. But uh, we we want to make sure that every potential site uh, is considered and that no one afterwards says, yeah, the finals and winners are all very good, but I know a better site. Uh, I'd be mortified if that happened. So we leave it as open as possible. There's no cost to enter. The public can nominate. We judge from a candidate's point of view. And it is unscientific because candidates are unscientific. I mean, it, I mean, I completely agree. Candidates are unscientific. Um, <laughs> it, it's a so I've been part of the judging process for is it two years, three years now? Yeah. And it is last year especially. It was. I remember saying to to the team in the office, like this this is like Mission Impossible now, <laughs> because there yeah. are so many different things that makes a website stand out. Mm. And it's like, I can't get like this is like from an accessibility perspective, this site's fantastic, but from a design perspective, this one is better. And the the, mm. the process of applying for a job here is way more sensical than it is there. And and you end up in a situation where you've got you've shortlisted, I think I had like 120, 130 in my list to short shortlist. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, I'd gotten to a point and it's like I literally can't. I, like I, I can't make this list any shorter at this point because it, yeah. it was that there's just so many moving parts, so many elements of what makes 
a good website a good website yeah yeah and and so so when look at recruitment websites uh, my my own perspective in coming at it is as a as a candidate i know that there are barriers in the process so if i went to uh, uh job board xyz for example and uh, and 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 started the process well first of all i'm gonna i'm gonna search for vacancies I might find a job i'm interested in i hit the apply now button I've got a register. Uh, what do I have to fill in to register? Oh, it wants it wants all my information. It wants my inside leg measurement. It wants you know the postcode of where I was born and my dad's first car. And I'm thinking, oh come on, this is harder than online banking. Uh, so all along the way, there can be any number of big or little things that can make me think this isn't worth the bother. I'll go back. I'll maybe come back another day, but I'm going to leave this now and I'll leave the process. And the same thing happens with uh, you know with shopping. If you're buying something on, you know eBay or Amazon or a thousand other you know shopping websites, uh, you get into the process and you think, I, I like this thing. I want to buy this gadget or whatever. Uh, and the process then tests how much you really want it because sometimes you need to be really de- determined. And uh, and it's the same with uh, with applying for a job. The motivation of a candidate to apply for a job uh, is. Is almost unknowable uh, by the people on the other side. Uh, you know, there are lots of factors that make people want to move on from the job that they're in just now, and and you would only get the inside perspective to that if, well, not only, but certainly if you've been a frontline recruiter, then you have uh, an insight to that as to what motivates people, and 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 just know that there are so many different factors in there. But yeah, when when a candidate comes to it, they're either really determined or not very determined. Or a lot of people who are open to jobs are not looking for jobs. You know, we used to call them passive candidates, but candidates who you could approach, you could headhunt, as we used to call it. Uh, you could call them out of the blue and say, would you be interested in this job and try and pitch it to them? Uh, so it's often the case that, uh, you know, the great candidates, not always, but great candidates are the ones who aren't looking. You know, they're, they're well looked after where they are. Their employers are appreciating them and uh, they're happy at their work. But if you can get their attention, then you can tempt them to go elsewhere. And uh, you know, in 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 recruitment terms and in job boards and career sites, you could be put, you could be posting all the jobs in the world on your job board or career sites with amazing uh, uh, description on the vacancy and benefits and this, that, and the other. But that candidate who's not looking is not finding your job because they're not looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as a recruiter, <clears throat> I was always the sort of recruiter who would go and find someone rather than put an advert in the paper and see who applies. Uh, I sometimes would turn up at factory gates with a sign, literally a sign, you know, engineer wanted, uh, and or I'd go to the local bar on a Friday uh, where all the people in that factory went to, and I would literally try and headhunt through them or go to an association meeting of the, the Plastics and Rubber Institute. I used to recruit in, in plastic injection molding. <laughs> But, but, uh, so I would go and the plastics, plastics and rubber institute sounds like it could represent a completely different set of society. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You, you, you won't believe the number of jokes that gets. But, uh, uh, yes. So, so, uh, uh, I would go and find a candidate as opposed to putting an advert in paper and hoping that they would come. The the thing is, is I know full well that when you advertise vacancies, you will get a response and there's a science to advertising vacancies and there's a, there's a, you know, real skill to doing it properly and professionally and getting relatively guaranteed results. But that science has been challenged all day, every day today. 
as it always was back then, because again, uh, it's a self-selecting group. Those who are looking for jobs could come across your vacancy and apply, but those who aren't looking aren't being found unless you go and find them. So that's where marketing comes in. That's where uh, you want to, to, to put out information into the world that stimulates a response from people who aren't looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might be just letting people in your industry know that you're a good employer. You've got a good employer brand or that you have some sort of activity going on that will get the attention of someone who works for the competition that you might think at some point would like them to apply for a job here. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. I was going to say, who do you, who do you think is doing employer branding well at the minute? Because that's a, it's kind of an, in, an intangible thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, employer brand used to be called your reputation. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether you're a good employer or a bad employer or, you know, I, oh, I know someone who worked there and uh, they said it was terrible, so I'll, I'll never apply there. Uh, but when someone says I'll never apply for a job there, that doesn't mean that they're unpersuadable. You know, if, if a company came with the right amount of money, with the right job, then, you know, open to offers. Uh, but it, it it changes the height of the bar that, that that company has to overcome. And it's the same with brand reputation. Uh, a terrible employer could attract me to go and work for them if they paid me stupid amounts of money and give me a guaranteed uh, bonus if it didn't work out. Uh, so when, when employers are looking to hire someone, then they're looking to hire the best person for the best or the the best deal on salary and conditions and, and so on with that individual that they hire. They're not always looking for rocket scientists or rock stars, as, as a lot of folk call them. Rock stars are, are, are not always the best hire. What they're looking for is the most appropriate hire. And that balances, you know, how much money you're paying for the job that's, that's commercially realistic uh, to pay for that and what everyone else is getting paid in the company. So, uh, yeah, when when you're looking at your employer brand, you're looking to be to, to distinguish yourself from uh, the other companies in your sector. And maybe you're a firm of plumbers. If you're a firm of plumbers and uh, and you want Super Mario to come and work for you, well, what do we do to make sure that that happens? What 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 can we do to uh, to ha- to have that? Now, if you had Princess Peach working here, then maybe Super Mario might be interested. <laughs> I, I, I'm exaggerating, but. Uh, the ways in which you build your employer brand for most companies, there are certain elements that you put in place. But other other than that, it's just you know having a, a you know a, a principled way of working, treating people fairly, and thinking through the consequences of how you do business. Uh, and uh, and if you do that and you do it well, and you're good at what you do as a, as a as a business, then you'll attract people who are also good at what they do and have a conscience. Uh, so you know, like attracts like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think employer branding is more, I, I don't want to say it's more relevant. That's not what I mean. It's just more prominent on the internal, within the internal recruitment world, within the talent acquisition world. And I think mm. you're quite unusual that you, you know, you you, you do stuff in the, the, the TA world, talent acquisition world, but you also do a lot you're quite involved in um, the sort of the recruitment agency side of things as well. So I have my own opinion on this, but mm-hmm. what differences do you see between the two when it comes to like the adopt agility, the adoption of tech, the how things are moving forward in those two worlds? Because I, I see them, it's almost like they're in two different universes at times. <laughs> yeah. 
they are. Uh, it, it, there was a big change in TA around about 2010. Immediately after the uh, the financial crisis of two thousand seven two thousand eight, and a lot of a lot lot of people who are in the agency sector were let go uh, or moved on because the, the, there wasn't that much recruitment to be done, and a lot of companies who were ramping back up after having laid off staff, uh, they wanted to be much more uh, efficient in what they did. They they, they didn't want to be spending uh, you know thousands of pounds per placement. Uh, on agency fees. Uh, so they recruited a lot of TA people and a sizable number of the people who went to TA back then had an agency background. Uh, so uh, so they came from that background. They knew about job boards. They, they knew about ATSs or CRMs, as they're called in agencies, and, uh, and, and managing databases of candidates and going after uh, those candidates uh, proactively as opposed to just advertising for them, but going and finding them. So there's a core of people in the TA world who have that as a background. Uh, and there are commercial sensibilities that go with that as well. Uh, obviously, as an, an agency recruiter, you're looking to make placements because every placement, if you make a placement and it's £5,000 fee, you might get to, you might get £1,000 of that as commission. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're thinking of that as an agency recruiter. As an agency recruiter myself, on the front line, I would... I'd want to be make, making the placement for the commission. I wouldn't want to be building the company and getting the best people into the organization, uh, if I'm being honest, because I didn't work for the company. I was consulting to the company, and they tasked me with finding people that they would choose to hire. But the responsibility for hiring them and who got hired was on them. So if they hired good or bad, uh, that was entirely on them. I'd present them with a short list of people to choose from. If I had the choice of who was to be hired, then I would probably have chosen different people in a lot of instances because I would know who, in my mind, was 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 better. Uh, but the choice is up to, uh, to to the employer. So when you're working for the employer uh, in, in TA, you might not be the direct hiring manager, but you're involved in the hiring process and you've got a much more say over who gets hired and, frankly, responsibility if it works out well or not. So as an agency recruiter, as soon as someone's hired, I don't need to know any anymore. I'm I'm out of the equation. But as an in-house recruiter, if I have been involved in hiring someone and they leave after you know three months or six months or or don't work out at all, uh, then the response I have a responsibility for that, and I have to uh, to to uh, refine my process so that my length of uh, you know people coming to join they they stay for longer and, and they perform better. Uh- you haven't answered the technology question, though. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So in terms go, go, of agility, yeah, yeah. So going go, go, go back to the tech question, as an agency owner, I know that fellow agency owners are, uh, uh, what's the term, tight as a badger's backside. Uh, they do not like to spend money. And when they do spend money, they want to get it back manyfold. So if I spend £100 on something, I want that to give me a, a, you know, a, a return of five or ten times that. I, it's no use telling me it'll make its money back because that's that's not even worth thinking about because there's a lot of time invested in making sure that technology works. So if I spend a hundred pounds on something, I need at least five times back uh, return on that. Uh, there are lots of agency owners out there who have obviously been hands-on agency recruiters themselves and, and are often still doing it as, as well as owning their agency, and they 
are looking for something that gives them quick returns, something that will will work straight away. And it might be might be you know as simple as that, you know, LinkedIn license that gives me access to or, or better access to to candidates through through LinkedIn. It might be uh, you know a CRM that organizes organizes my data, takes all the information I had before that was in a, a disorganized uh, database and organizes it and refreshes it so that uh, I've got a, a deeper, richer pool of candidates to to to, to find because. It's often the case that if you've got a database of 50,000 individuals, say, in a small agency, uh, maybe 20,000 of those candidates are, the, 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 the details you have on them are obsolete. These candidates are not findable on your database because they were miscategorized when they were put in there in the first place. And you, you don't know what their current situation is work-wise. Uh, so, you know, the right technology you can bring in and it can refresh all that and, and bring candidates to the fore uh, that you've already got for free. You don't need to expend any cash going, going and finding candidates from elsewhere, whether it be job boards or, or, or anywhere else, because uh, you've already got them uh, in uh, in your database. So the, there are lots of technologies that, that can make an immediate effect, uh, and I would expect to make an immediate effect. Uh, there are some technologies that are going to take a while to, to to pay dividends, and 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 some of those are to do with marketing your agency about uh, you know building up your profile uh, as an agency, and you don't get immediate returns on them. That's 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 just marketing for you. But uh, as an employer, when you're looking at technologies, you're thinking over a longer period. You're thinking, well, we're going to build something of substance here in terms of reputation as an employer, in terms of how we go about things, and how, in terms of how we. Uh, manage the data of of candidates and current employees because we're, we're we're thinking about bigger things. We're thinking about the progression of someone who joins today through the company over a period of years. How they can uh, internally uh, move through the company and be be promoted and take on more responsibilities. So their perspective on things is uh, is is quite different. We were talking about AI earlier on. There was a there was a company I was uh, working with uh oh about 5 years ago now. Uh a company called Pocket Recruiter. And when I saw Pocket Recruiter initially I had the demo uh, uh with Felix Vetzel. Felix used to be the marketing director with Jobsite and done a whole lot of things since. But uh when I saw this it blew my socks off, uh, and and again, it was one of those "this is going to change everything" moments because uh, it was finding candidates that couldn't be found before. It was it was matching candidates who were never going to be matched to this. It was scoring candidates. It was matching every. It was reading every single word on someone's CV and matching it with every word on uh, the, uh, the 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 job advert uh, or the, the the job spec, and. Uh, uh, as simple as that sounds, actually, there's much more to it than that. It was building a stack of learned uh, knowledge about what good looks like. Uh, and, and and each company that had Pocket Recruiter, they would build their own independent stack of, uh, of, of learned knowledge. What that meant for agencies is that uh, the system was being trained effectively by experienced recruiters, searching for candidates, choosing the best ones, submitting those to employers. The employers then select of those 10 candidates, five that they're going to interview, uh, three get a second interview, and one gets uh, an offer. Every step of the way, the system is learning from your behavior what good looks like. Uh, so whenever it looks for candidates for similar roles in the, similar roles in the future, uh, it's tuned in to what you like to see uh, as, a, as, a, as a recruiter, and, and it gets better all the time. So it's learning from your experienced recruiters, but it's also because of that, 
their knowledge is going into that learn stack of technology, uh, learn stack of knowledge, and your inexperienced recruiters are benefiting from it because when they run a search, they're getting the benefit of that that learned uh, stack of, uh, of of knowledge, and that's that's AI or machine learning in practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw it initially, I thought this is this is literally like magic, uh, and uh, and you. As a as a recruiter, whether you're in house or, or or agency, those magic moments are what fire you up to do another search and another search, and you don't go home till eleven at night because you're you're literally having fun with it. You're thinking, I'm I'm filling all the jobs today, uh, and uh, and and it, it 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 was that. And there's so much more to pocket recruiter, but there are lots of other tools out there that that do that and more now. And Pocket Recruiter haven't seen lately, they'll have advanced uh, considerably as well. But at that time, there wasn't much else out there that was doing it. Uh, And in terms of the evolution of AI, because it's continually learning from from you and from itself, uh, then it it, it accelerates exponentially. Uh, And, uh, you know, we can and should expect much more to come. I mean, the AI thing is like a, a fascinating topic. Like, the, I've, I've probably looked at the AI stuff more from a marketing agency perspective than I have, like, what impact will AI have on the recruitment world? Mm. And, it, and it's an interesting topic in, in both scenarios because I feel that, right, let, let's say it how it is. We see a piece of tech. It's really freaking shiny. We get excited. We buy it. But we buy it for what it is today. I, I don't feel that people really think about, okay, if this is what it is today, right now, what's it going to look like in six months' time, 12 mm. months' time, two years' time? Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a bit like hiring someone. You hire them for what they can do today. Uh, but good good hiring managers, they hire someone for the potential they have for the future. So if you, if you in interviewing someone, you're looking for clues. You only have maybe a couple of hours over a couple of interviews to to assess whether this person's any good. And you're going to offer them a job that pays, you know, tens of thousands of pounds or considerably more to this person based on relatively scant information. So you're looking for all the clues that tell you this is a good bet to hire this person and to offer them that salary. If you could have someone, you know, working with you for three months, uh, then you and then decide whether to take them on or not, then you know that would obviously be more accurate. But we don't we don't get to do that because recruitment is a by design. Recruitment is a necessarily discrete process. You look for a job while you're in a job, and uh, and you have to do that hush hush. Uh, so uh, it, it, with the, a very little amount of information, the hiring manager is trying to find out: Can this person do the job today? Uh, will they do the job I ask them to do next week? Uh, and do they have the capability to learn to do the job that I know will come, but I do I can't, I can't describe it right now, but I know will come next year, and we're going to ask them to learn new skills to do that thing. Uh, and it, the ideal person is someone who can do all three of those. Sometimes a company just wants arms and legs. It might be you're working in a warehouse, they just want someone who can lift boxes from here and put them over there. Uh, and, and you're not thinking about how this person's going to progress in the company. But increasingly so, you're thinking, how, uh, how how can this person evolve in a company? And it's the same with technology. So when you're looking at tech that you're buying today that can solve your problem today, 
you're not you, you, in the same way as you know in hiring someone you're looking at the passion you're looking at the their ability to learn and 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 uh, and and, uh, and evolve when looking at technology you're looking at the company and the people in the company and their inclination to continually evolve this product uh, and invest in this product uh, if you're buying something very early on I, in its evolution it's it's maybe unproven but you see the people behind it are driven you see that they've got a mission you see that they know what they're doing and and also that they're paying attention to you uh, and as a client you're important to them so if you want changes to happen in the software then they're going to do that for you because they they see you as an important client so when you're looking at technology you are often thinking you know how how's it going to evolve down the line one of the one of the the the, the key things that happens when you buy tech nowadays uh especially agencies but also in house uh the, the tech that you buy is you might leave one company to go to another company say specifically your CRM only to find that the company you've left to go to is taken over by the company that you left uh <laughs> and you think oh for god's sake I I wanted to get away from I'm not going to name companies but yeah. I know companies in mind uh, I I I'm I'm sure I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so mergers and acquisitions happen on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And and actually, there are parallels with the workforce as well. You know, you might leave a company because you can't stand your boss, only to find six months down the line, your new boss is your old boss because, you know, there was a merger or acquisition or he got a job with your company. Uh, and... Uh, uh that's you know that's 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 the world we live in and so technology and and, and people that are there are lots of parallels so you are i mean a lot of the tech companies that pop up that are mm. sort of the 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 new and next i learn about through you mm-hmm. 100% especially the stuff that's going on outside of the uk yeah so you're obviously like looking for this stuff all the time and I'm sure for every one that you go like, oh my God, this is amazing, there will be another nine where you're like, mm, not so much. So what are the red flags for you? Uh, yeah, you, 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 you do tend to kiss a lot of frogs. Uh, and uh, the, the red flags for me are, and have, having set up tech companies myself, I, I would be a red flag to me. So if I saw someone like me who's not entirely focused on this thing to the living end then i think mm, you know the 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 founder is not entirely focused on this thing and that's what i need as a, as a customer uh but red flags are uh, you know that they have to absolutely believe in what they do they have to be determined to to to, to stick with it through thick and thin uh, uh i want to see that uh, uh the technology is on a, a a you know a solid base and they've got good Good techie people in there who 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 love solving problems. Uh, it's often the case that I'll see uh, a market uh, a market addressed by a piece of technology that didn't need to exist. Uh, so tech can be set up to what uh, to, to solve a problem. It might be to you know to market your company to candidates to find them a different way. It might be uh, any number of things. But the solution that they have throws up other problems that is then solved by other technologies that come in to fix the things that the previous technology didn't do. So, for example, you, you have a CRM full of uh, candidates, uh, but it's disorganized information, and there are services that come in and say, "Well, we can we can tidy up your database for you." 
we can we can uh, cleanse your database. We can do this, that, and the other. Uh, and that was a problem that was solved by the you know the previous technology not being quite as good as it could have been. And they're not going to do it because there's no real incentive for them to do it. So one begets the other. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, these these things happen all the time. But yeah, I suppose I'm I'm looking at the people. There's there's a, a new company just now, uh, and I think has got a has got a great chance of doing well because the people behind it have done extraordinarily well in the past. Uh, it's a company called CV Wallet. Uh, so CV Wallet, uh, it's uh, Richard Beverly Collins, and uh, they've built and sold uh, at least three, maybe four recruitment technology companies before uh, who have all been you know, uh, successful in what they've done and the people who bought those companies have done well with them. Uh, so they know the industry inside out. Uh, CV Wallet is still in the early stages of uh, uh, becoming what it will be. And I maybe shouldn't say this out loud, but I predict that it, it will pivot a couple of times along the way just to fit into the space that it will accom- accommodate eventually. But because the people behind it really know their stuff, I would, uh, you know, if I, if I had money to invest, I'd be quite keen to invest in it. Uh, but I know that uh, because of their reputation, uh, then they won't really have a problem with that or, or you know, they'll be backing it themselves. Mm. I, I do think there's, um, in the last couple of days, I've, um, right, careful what I say now. In the mm-hmm. last couple of days. Oh, there's nobody listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in the last couple of days, I was demoed a new piece of tech. And I just thought, this is solving a problem that isn't there. Mm. It's kind of creating a problem that actually no one has got. Yeah. And, you know, it's like someone sort of thought, oh, what if this Mm -hmm. was possible? Yeah. And there's a lot of things that are possible, but they're not, you know, no one's done anything about it because it's not necessary. Yeah. As as Chris Rock says often, uh, just because something can be done doesn't mean it should be done. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, if, if 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 you're a if you're a programmer and you think of a great solution to a problem or something that seems a problem to you, then you can go and resolve that. But whether someone will buy it or not is a whole different thing. And that's why in in your in your recruitment technology company, you need someone who has a, 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 a has the genius to make things happen technology wise, but also someone who knows the 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 thought processes of people who are working in recruitment in you know w- you know w- with employers or recruitment agencies who knows the way that uh, the, the the minds of people in those sectors work uh, and uh, that would be an important thing for me to see in a in a, a, a recruitment technology company mm. i think sometimes it is these ideas come and they they um i always talk about my shiny box i've got i've got a shiny box and i have brilliant ideas that will mm-hmm. distract me. So they get written down, they go into my shiny box. And every time I've kind of like come to an end of a project and it's time for me to have a reward, I can go into my shiny box and I can pick the next idea to work upon. <laughs> that becomes yeah. my next project. And sometimes you pick a bit of paper out of there and you look at it and you go, how the hell did I ever think that was going to be a good idea? Mm. Like, that's that's just crap. Like, what was I thinking? Yeah. And I think sometimes it is, you 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 get an idea and you're so you don't look up from it and therefore you don't see that actually this is something you just need to stop. You just yeah. need to let go of yeah. it. And I, I, I do feel we see that a lot with tech. I'll, I'll give you an example of something something uh, relatively silly. Uh, so years ago, uh, 
Well, before that, uh, maybe 2008, maybe nine, uh, the first uh, job search app uh, in the UK for smartphones I designed. Uh, and uh, and it was back then. It was on the App Store, and we were all excited. And uh, I was I was doing work. The company who had bought my website before in two thousand seven uh, it was called One Job, and they were an aggregator. Uh, and uh, I thought, well, if most people are looking, well, I was thinking ahead again then. But most people are looking at the internet on their smartphones, uh, and the website just didn't work on smartphones. Uh, and of course, on, on account of the notice, I knew that people were doing that all the more so. So is there a way that we can have people searching for vacancies on the phone, but that it works in, you know, is it, so can we have an app? So I basically, literally, again, all the all the governs designed on Photoshop and the layouts and the workings and so on, and, and you know, got it coded up and, and, and built. And that worked, but there was no money in it. It was entirely a free thing. But every time someone clicked on a on a vacancy to uh, to go through to a, a job board, we got a pay per click. So you know it totally paid for itself uh, many many times over. And I think in the first couple of months there was like sixty thousand downloads of of the app. Uh, so it went really well. But it, it it didn't put anything in my pocket. But going beyond that, there's a couple of times where I've tried to uh, to develop apps and sounded great at the time, didn't really work out in practice. Uh, there's there's and this isn't recruitment. So there was a, a game that I worked out called Twitwordy. And if you go to twitwordy.com, you'll see it. It actually works. But <laughs> it's a crossword puzzle made up of uh, uh, the, the, the words in the crossword puzzle are uh, the usernames of people that you follow on Twitter. So you log in on your Twitter account to Twitwordy, and it, it makes a crossword puzzle from 10 names that it's selected at random from the people that you follow on Twitter. Now, this was in the days when you weren't following that many people on Twitter, so you would know who the people were, you would know generally what they were saying, uh, and so on. So the clues to the the, the, the the answers were the last thing they tweeted, uh, or their bio, or their profile picture. Uh, and uh, and that's how you solved the puzzle. And every time that you did it, the people who were mentioned in the crossword puzzle got a message on Twitter saying, you know, you're, you're, I'm, I'm playing a game and you're one of the answers. So it, it self-marketed. Uh, yeah. So it, it so the people who got that message went, oh, what's that game? I'll download that and do it myself. Now, the game works, but it, I never got it into an app on a phone. But it does work on uh, on on the, uh, on a desktop. The only thing is, is it's actually it's really dull. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not- it's not very interesting, and uh, so the, the playability could definitely be refined. Uh, and it seemed like a genius wizard idea at the time. Uh, but when you step back from it and then come back again, you go, "Oh, gee, I would never do that myself." Uh, you know, so <laughs> it was it was solving nothing for anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I I do I play Scrabble on my phone all the time, which was partly behind uh, you know what why I did it in the first place. Uh, but I originally did this maybe ten or twelve years ago. Uh, and as I say, I've I've updated the app. It's working on on the uh, on, on the website, but it's not on a phone. Mm-hmm. So as an example of something de- daft that you can pursue, but to no real end. Mm. I'm seeing again. I'm careful about what I was going to say. I'm I'm seeing recruitment agencies going. I know we should create an app that will help us get more candidates. Mm. And I've. I would say over the last two, yeah, probably over the last two years, 
maybe slightly more. I'm just seeing that more and more and more. And these apps, they just never get off the ground. Never get off the ground. And I've but, seen I've seen ones that have had quite big investment. You know, people like DHL investing in like working with a recruitment agency, investing in the development of this app. Hmm. And it just never really goes anywhere. The the biggest hurdle in uh in in adoption and acceptance of an app is people registering and uh, and downloading the uh, the app on the phone in the first place. Uh, not only that, but when you build an app, uh, Apple and Android uh, have so many updates to their operating system that every time they do update, you have to update your app. So it's quite costly and there's a lot of work involved. So it's a pain in the backside. Whereas if you can have, you can have uh, something that looks and feels like an app uh, you know it's built in html5 and uh, uh, uh you know is 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 totally slick and responsive then you can do that and it works on all browsers and you don't have to update it all the time uh when you have an app that's resident on your phone then yeah there are certain things that it can do so you know if you enable it within an app you can tell where someone is for example so if you'd a if you'd a, an app that was for uh employment as a as a temp working for i don't know amazon or so on then you can literally tell that this person is in the amazon uh factory uh, warehouse at this minute in time so in terms of you know logging the hours that they've worked and so on then those kinds of things can be useful and handy but yeah, yes it's getting people to register in the first place is is tricky if you can register them on their behalf then that's great so if you have people who register with your recruitment agency and they automatically added onto the database and you send them an email where you know here's here's the download link for the app and you're already registered just click here uh, there's a magic link and you're in mm. then we can communicate with you back and forward on that the thing is mostly mostly when you have an app like that with a recruitment firm you have it for communications and what you want to be able to do is communicate with them back and forward and i have i have all the channels under the sun for people to communicate with me but do I ever look at WhatsApp? No. Uh, do I ever look at Signal? Signal, for God's sake. You no. know, there, there, are, there are so many that I just don't look at. I never open Instagram. Uh, and uh, so the, there are ways in which you can always get me. You can always get me on you know, Facebook Messenger and Skype, bizarrely. You can always get me on Skype. I've got Skype open all day. And almost no one's using Skype, but yeah, I use it all the time. Never have it the thing is, there's Don't nothing- talk to me on Skype, Stephen. <laughs> There's nothing functionally wrong with Skype. It's just not in 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 uh, you know in fashion, uh, in favour. But with candidates, they'll have their own permutation of apps that they use or don't use. Uh, you know, youngsters youngsters uh, are not going to be using Facebook or Facebook Messenger. Uh, they'll be using something else. Uh, and uh, and 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 maybe universally, you can get people on mm-hmm. text. But uh, you know the patterns of use are going to be different for different demographics and in different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go to Brazil, uh, and it's you know the whole different set of of apps that they might use for communication. So uh, yeah, if you then try to add on to that communication through an app, then it's going to go on the the the, the tenth page of apps yeah. on their phone, and they'll 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 never get to it. You know, so the little red dot that says one message, they're not seeing that. No, I'm, I have said we. I'm never, ever again working on the launch of an app. If you've got an app that's been up and running, you've got yeah. like a certain level of daily active users and you want my help, you want my support, absolutely I'm there. 
but I will never work on the launch of an app again because it is just you put so much effort in to not get anywhere. Let me tell you about an app that has worked really well and in my experience in the past few months. So with Tia Tech, and that's the first time I've mentioned Tia Tech in the skull, <laughs> but with Tia Tech, uh, we obviously have events and our 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 big oh I've I've accidentally turned on the camera on my phone there. Press my watch. Uh, sorry, with Tia Tech, uh, we have uh, 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 events for our members. And Tia Tech is a membership organization for technology companies worldwide. There's about 350 members worldwide. It was initially uh, just for job boards uh, 16 years ago, and, and it's now evolved to be all technologies and job boards and recruitment. So our events are, are mostly CEOs and founders of job boards and technology companies coming together to network with, network with each other, not to sell to customers. There, there, there aren't any recruiters in the room, or there are very few. Uh, they're there to meet with each other and to network with each other and to work out ways in which they can uh, collaborate or integrate or maybe invest or mentor or all of these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's an app that we use for our event in Austin, uh, in Texas, just last month, uh, uh, called Brella. Uh, and Brella is fantastic because uh, within it, uh, people can be arranging meetings with each other uh, uh, in whatever location you set up in, your, in your, your event. Now, in our event, we have what's called a deal center. And the deal center is happening most at the same time as we have talks on. So the talks are happening, but the deal center are open as well. And there were, I think, 35 separate companies had tables in the deal center. So they were open to anyone making an appointment to come and see them. Of the 250 people who came to the event, uh, we had 861 meetings arranged between people. Uh, So these are appointments that people had made through the app. They'd found each other on the app uh, or the AI had recommended one to another. Oh, you might be interested in speaking with, you know, Joe Bloggs or Mary Bell or whoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 861 meetings happened in the space of uh, a two-day conference. Uh, And these were in the calendar appointments to meet at this location between these two people, uh, not accidentally networking and bumping into someone, not, you know, trying to work your way up to, to, to speaking with the guy from Indeed or the woman from Zip Recruiter. Uh, you've actually got an appointment to speak with them and you can be chit-chatting through the app as well as uh, meeting them face-to-face. So in terms of engagement and response, we were blown away. Uh, and uh, it, it all happened, be- well, they it happened because the app was very good, but all of the people who registered for the event were automatically registered on the app and they were given a magic link and they had the app and and, and they're all pretty tech savvy, yeah. let's face it. So yeah, yeah. of of all the people who came to the event, maybe 10 of them didn't download and log into the app and the others used it like demons. So it worked really, really well. I was at an event a few months ago and there was a similar app, but there was no AI elements. There was no none of that matching so mm. you you had to go through and like look profile by profile by pro so you look at someone's profile and you never met them before you never yeah. heard of the company now you've got to do the research do i want to meet this person or not yeah and it was a i'll be honest in the end i gave it to um i gave it to the team to do i was like oh, yeah I'm not, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got the patience for this like yeah. I, i've done three and i'm bored now yeah um yeah i sort of screenshot all the names and went, i don't i know i don't want to talk to this person this person this person because they were people i knew hmm. um so i think the habit it, you know this is where ai is really and we talk about ai like it's some new thing but it's it's been around for so long we've just not paid attention to it until now yeah yeah. But this is where uh, it can really come into its own. It, yeah, so it's, it's, 
you can get into the nuts and bolts of AI and what's it what's it doing. But in this instance, what I'm looking for the AI to do is to of the hundreds of people who are coming to this event, pick out the ones you think I'd be interested in having a chat with, uh, and uh, and and you know give me really you know high scoring matches, uh, and hopefully I'll be a, a good scoring match for them as well. Uh, a bit like a you know a, a dating app or whatever, and. Actually, I wonder if you could have a swipe left and right thing on a on a. How cool would that be? Like yeah. that would be right up my street. Mm-hmm. Definitely, there's some of the recruitment events we go to, when I'd be, you know, where we know there's gonna be thousands of people there, yeah. and it is like, yeah, swipe left, swipe right. I could, I could totally get on board with that. I always picture those those apps where you're swiping left and right. That that you know. The the swiping that way. Which one is a rejection normally on apps? I I I've not used them. Not me either. Okay, so so <laughs> let's let's just let's just for talking sake say neither has have used those apps. Uh, <laughs> but if swiping right is a rejection, it's a bit like a backhanded slap. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. it, you're slapping them away. But when you're swiping to the left, you kind of bringing them in. You know. It's a, it's, it's bringing a, into your heart. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you're you're sweeping towards yourself like a hug, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can imagine people getting carried away. Slap, slap, hug, <laughs> slap, slap, hug. <laughs> if only we could do that in person. I, I'm sure I saw a video of uh, of of someone's kid with a big TV, and uh, the kid didn't like what was on TV and was trying to swipe one way and another to. <laughs> Fantastic, um, Stephen. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw it to a, a close there anyway because we're uh, we've been very sensible during this conversation. It's not quite like us, is it? I've not sworn once. I I, I don't think I have either. That must be a record. Yeah, that, I'm a good influence. This is, mm, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't hang out more. I I prefer I prefer the mischievous Christina definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much um, for your time and, and for chatting with me. No um, and I know I'm going to see you again very soon. Um, where where do you want? I'd like to say you're available in in all sorts of social media apps, hmm. messaging. Where yeah. do you? Where shall we direct people to? Uh, LinkedIn is best, but uh, yeah, if you, if you search for Stephen O'Donnell recruitment, you'll find me anywhere. I, I know every single app that I'm on, my username is Stephen O'Don. The two ends. Uh, but yeah, hit me up anywhere. Uh, if you want to see me in person, I'll be in I'll be in London tomorrow night at uh, uh, Louise Trance's Recruiters Network event, uh, and next week I'll be I've actually I'm actually speaking for the first time at Wreckfest. I've previously been oh, a wow. host in, in different areas, but I'm, I've I've got a I've got a talk at Wreckfest next week in Nebworth, and I'll also be speaking at uh, Wreckfest in Nashville uh, in September. So that's going to be good. Amazing, exciting times, exciting times. Yeah, yeah. And and, and of course, uh, I've got to get a plug in. Uh, late in the years is the 23rd anniversary of the Noras in December. And we also have the the, uh, the, the Tia Tech Europe event, which is on the two days prior to the Noras. So that, that's the 5th and 6th of December. Brilliant. I need to get that date in my diary. I don't think it's in my diary yet. Can't miss oh, yeah. the Noras. Yeah. yeah. Put it in your diary. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. No problem. Thank you.